Hello, this is Ralph from Happy Dog Training and welcome to another episode of Dog Talk. Today we're going to talk about the intelligence of dogs. How smart are dogs? Intelligence is something that is not very easy to measure. For people we have investigated all kinds of methods and approaches to measure intelligence and there's different IQ tests that will give us a number and supposedly tell us how smart or intelligent human beings are. But I don't know how many uh, IQ tests you have taken. I have taken a good number over the years and the results are all over the map. It depends on what the test is based on and which country it's conducted and everybody uses different standards for measuring IQ. Basically, at their core, IQ tests are pattern detection tests. What's the missing item? What completes the sequence? What doesn't fit in? These are the most common challenges presented in IQ tests. If you take an IQ test and you get a result, and then you practice by taking more IQ tests, you will do better and your result goes up. If the IQ test was actually objective, that should not happen. It should measure your intelligence the first time, the second, third, and nth time with always the exact same result. But if I can practice something and become better at it, am I really measuring an objective intelligence number or I'm measuring a skill set that can be improved with studying? So with people, we already have a really hard time of determining true intelligence. It's basically impossible. So in my lifetime, since college and until now, which is a good number of years, I've taken several IQ tests and the results have ranged anywhere from between 124 to 168. Clearly, I didn't get smarter or dumber by just living and experiencing life more. And that the numbers are so all over the map and vary clearly shows us that we need to take these with a grain of salt. Are they completely useless? No, they're not. But by assigning those numbers and then comparing people, I think we're walking into a very dangerous territory. Because we can probably determine with an IQ test if somebody has below average or above average intelligence. I don't question that. That seems to be pretty straightforward. But when somebody, let's say, comes up with a result of 130 and another person gets 135 or 140, to say that the person with 140 is more intelligent than the one with 130 is probably a very questionable claim. But that's people. So with people, we can do these tests. And we have something. How good it is, it's questionable, but at least it's something. So we have a way of performing some sort of measurement. But how do we do this with dogs? How can we determine if a dog is smart or not? If we train a dog and we work with a dog on learning some skills, yeah, we can see how quickly that goes, how quickly a dog figures something out or picks something up. So you can see that dog is smart, that dog is slow, this dog is not so smart. 
But then in comparison, again, it becomes tricky, and we have even less ability to measure it with an animal. So there's a couple of things that people have done over the years to compare dogs to humans and determine what we're looking at in terms of canine intelligence. So let me give you like two examples that have um, set the number, because currently we consider a dog to be at the intelligence level of a two-year-old child. And there's a reason for that. And I think the result is probably questionable, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But here is how we arrived at this conclusion. So the first thing that a human child cannot do at birth is distinguish the difference between a two-dimensional representation and a three-dimensional object. So, simple example, if we take the picture of a banana and we show that to an infant who is under two years old, so a year or a year and a half, they will usually try to grab the banana, which they obviously can't because it's a picture of a banana. They cannot understand the difference between a two-dimensional representation and the actual three-dimensional object. That ability forms in a human child around the age of two. So by two years of age, a human child can do that. Dogs can do that. So we know from that alone that there is a difference in intelligence or development, cognitive development with a dog that is at least at the level of a two-year-old child. How much higher? We don't know. This test does not illustrate that at all. It's just an observation. That is something a dog can do. A human child can only do at the age of two. So we know the intelligence of a dog has to be at least equivalent to the age of a two-year-old child. That's, of course, not a clear correlation. There's other factors. The dog could be way more intelligent than a two-year-old child. But this is one test, or one, one particular thing that we've established. A second thing is the process of exclusion. So if we tell a dog to pick up an item, when he generally understands how to pick up items, and he has never seen that item before, and he's never heard the name of the item before, but can yet identify that item in a pile of items, that's process of exclusion. So let's explain that experiment in a little bit more detail. So maybe you have heard of the dog Chaser, the Border Collie Chaser. There is a 60 Minutes piece on it. There is a book on it. It's called Chaser, Unlocking the Secrets of the Canine Mind. There's documentaries on Chaser. Chaser lived with a professor of psychology. His name was Pilly. And he conducted a whole range of experiments and studies with his border collie. And Chaser was chasing cars, which eventually <laughs> was curbed, but that's where the name came from. And that's how Chaser ended up with Dr. Pilly. So what he did is he purchased over a thousand different toys, which is fascinating. How many toys have you seen in a store? I don't think a store has a thousand items <laughs> in terms of dog toys. But so he had 1,024, I believe, of dog toys that he purchased over the years. And he had taught Chaser to pick up those toys by name. And he would tell Chaser, go get the green elephant, or go get the pink turtle, or go get the yellow banana, or whatever. 
and Chaser would go and get the item. So he would go and retrieve the item based on the name that he understood that to be. And he learned to distinguish over a thousand items. I believe it was 1,024 or 1,048 or something like that, but over a thousand items Chaser was able to distinguish. And in the experiment that led to the process of exclusion, or the study that led to the process of exclusion, Dr. Pilly picked five items that Chaser was familiar with and a sixth item that he was not familiar with. And he placed them all behind a barrier, as I said, so uh, Chaser couldn't see him and he couldn't see Chaser. And he told him to get the new thing. Let's say it's a blue giraffe. Let's just say, I forgot what it was. But he said, get the blue giraffe. And then on video, we can see how Chaser goes to the pile of toys and he looks at every single item in this pile of toys. And you can clearly see, well, he's moving on, he's moving on, he's moving on. And then he stops on the item that is the new one. And he associates the word of the thing he's never heard with the thing he's never seen. And he brings it back. That is learning through the process of exclusion. Again, something a human child can only do at the age of two. So we have basically two experiments that establish the level of intelligence in a dog at a minimum at the age of two of a human child. I say minimum because by no means is that an establishment of any kind of maximum. It's just a human kid can't do it until the age of two, so the dog now is at least there. So let's put that in context. And Chaser, by the way, is, is a wonderful the stuff on YouTube, wonderful thing to, to look up. I'm going to put it in the show notes as well. One or two videos, there's tons of them. Chaser's learned different movements based on words. He's learned directions based on words. He's learned all kinds of stuff. There's some cool videos out there. And everybody always thinks, well, it's a border collie. Well, yeah, it's an exception. But is it? The likelihood that Chaser is an exception is far lesser than then Chaser is the norm. And most people just never put that to the test because that's actually real work, what <laughs> Dr. Pilly did here. But in terms of intelligence, we can see dogs working through problems when we train them. We train service dogs here and they have to do complex things sometimes. And we can see literally the brain at work as they're trying to figure it out. And they're, think they're thinking through the process, they're problem solving, trying to access a puzzle box or working their way through a snuffle mat or solving a puzzle or whatever it is. There's all kinds of uh, interesting contraptions you can buy, treat dispensing toys. You have to play around with to get toys out or puzzles. You have to move pieces, pieces around. There's a whole line from a company called Nina Addison. Um, I think a Norwegian company or Scandinavian company. And I believe it was bought by Outward Hound. So all these products are actually available in America on Amazon. You can buy tons of them. They used to be made out of nice wood and now they're mostly like hard plastic. Still works great, but obviously the wood ones were nicer um, when the company first started. But these are puzzles where dogs basically um, figure out how to access treats under obstructions or obstacles. It's a problem-solving challenge. And when you see a dog go through stuff like that, you can clearly see there is a more intelligent dog at work here or a less intelligent dog, smart dog, not so smart dog. 
uh, would, would be hard to place numbers on them and rank them, well, this dog is smarter than this and that, unless it's pretty obvious. Uh, is a German Shepherd smarter than a Belgian Malinois, than a standard Poodle? Well, depending on which breed you like the most, you're probably going to pick that one. But there is probably not really a way of determining who is the smarter one. Right? A Border Collie would be in that mix too. So generally, if you look at the intelligence charts of dogs, and they're always somewhat questionable too, but the, the top three are usually uh, the German Shepherd, the Standard Poodle, and the Border Collie. What is absent from the top three is the Belgian Malinois. Well, why is that? Belgian Malinois are very intelligent dogs. They're very smart. There is um, absolutely no rhyme or reason why they should not be up there on the scale when a German Shepherd is up there. It's also a very smart dog. And why isn't Husky not up there? Because a Husky is a very smart dog, but Huskies tend to be stubborn, and people don't uh, think stubborn animals are smart. So just because a dog doesn't want to do what you want the dog to do doesn't mean the dog is dumb. Quite the opposite, right? It's not that he doesn't understand. You need to consider that he understands you just fine and doesn't care for the request. So to, to cast a husky aside, who in so many ways has demonstrated a very high level of intelligence as, as a breed, um, because they're not as cooperative, it's not amicable and like easy to get to cooperate, get them to cooperate in training, doesn't mean that they're not smart. They're smart dogs. And then uh, at the bottom of these intelligence charts, when you find the rankings for the dogs, there's always the, the poor Afghan hound. No, ma no matter what, what chart you look at, in terms of intelligence of dogs, the poor Afghan hound is always at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> um, now, they're, they're more unusual. Uh, I have never personally trained an Afghan hound, so I can't really speak to um, how, how it is to work with an Afghan hound. Uh, you don't see them as much. They're not as common. I've seen them in the dog park one time, but I've ne never really had them as a client. So um, my guess is that the Afghan hound is probably not as stupid as he's being made out to be in these comparison charts. So when it goes back to what are we measuring here? So when I said earlier that with a husky he doesn't get credit for his intelligence because it's not as easy to convince to cooperate, that's by no means an exclusionary factor for intelligence. A lot of intelligent people don't want to cooperate either. So being stubborn or set in your ways or not wanting to do something doesn't mean you're stupid. So it's, it's always a question how do we assess that. So in my view, these intelligence charts that you see, they're more a list of cooperate, cooperation or willingness to cooperate. Because standard poodles, border collies, and German shepherds are very willing to cooperate. Um, so there's, there's that. So it's probably more like a how easy is the dog to train, not based on the intelligence of the dog, but based on, well, it's easier to get him to do what I want him to do. And I consider that intelligent. So I don't think that that is a fair way to assess. So officially, um, comparatively to a two-year-old child. But having trained dogs for 19 years now in total and 16 years professional, 
I disagree with that fundamentally. So if we look at different levels of, uh, or different types of intelligence, and there's really only one type of true intelligence, a cognitive intelligence, we've come up with all kinds of other things like emotional intelligence and so. Um, and emotional intelligence is certainly important, but it's very different from cognitive ability. Social ability and cognitive abilities are two different things, right? Um, but I don't want to cast that aside because it's actually an important, important distinction that can help understand why I disagree with this assessment of a dog at the level of a two-year-old child. And in terms of emotional intelligence, so to be in tune with the emotions of your surroundings, of the people around you, and if uh, somebody you're with may need some help or assistance based on emotional upset, dogs and many other animals, cats and so are marvelous at that. So dogs have absolutely a leg up on emotional intelligence on a lot of people. Some maybe forever. But in terms of that, a 30-year-old person, well, and even a lot of 30-year-olds don't have the emotional intelligence a dog has. So if, if we're measuring it from that perspective, well, what's the, what's the social cognitive skill set here? The dog wins out. Uh, and it's not the, the cognitive ability in this case, but it's the social ability in this case. So which type of uh, intelligence are we assessing when we say, oh, the dogs are two-year-olds? It's the infant level. Huh? So when you, when you train dogs and you work with dogs, there is absolutely no way you can come away with the idea of dogs operating at the level of a two-year-old child. There is a lot more going on in the dog brain than in that of a two-year-old child. Now, the child will obviously develop um, brain systems and more, more developed neocortex and prefrontal cortex than the dog will ultimately. But a dog has all the aspects that a human brain has. They're just in some, some regard smaller. So the neocortex is there and the prefrontal cortex is there. But in a human brain, the prefrontal cortex is about 28-29% of the, the neocortex, while in a dog brain, it's 9%. So the, the prefrontal cortex is where executive decision-making happens. This is where the real heavy lifting of, of cognitive ability resides. That's why humans are so special in terms of um, the uniqueness of their brains. Because there's no other species, no other animal that has that as developed as we do, for better or worse. <laughs> but that's, that's where it's at. Now, the, the dog's brain has the same layout, but less development in the prefrontal cortex. And with that comes lesser level of, of intelligence. Where that exactly resides, the, the exact level of how intelligent is a dog compared to a person, if we're talking average numbers, it's always going to be the outliers, um, is not something we are able to assess at this point. Maybe we are in the future. But it'll probably will have to start with us being able to assess it in people more effectively than we are able to do it today because our ability to do it with people is also wanting, as I mentioned earlier. And the IQ tests that we have available to us come to all kinds of different results. So it's really difficult to come to a standardized assessment of true intelligence, which would have advantages for certain things. Now, of course, you could that ability could obviously also lead to abuse in certain scenarios. I could think of a whole range of problems that could arise from the ability to determine that. But all in all, I think we we'll probably would 
be better equipped to pick a better education path for a whole range of people. Not everybody benefits from going to college. I say you can probably sort that out a little bit better with a better assessment of what the skill sets of people truly are. If somebody is truly skilled working with their hands, that person will most likely be much happier doing something that involves artistic expression and using their hands in some meaningful manner versus going to a college and studying abstract concepts. It's probably not going to be where their happiness is going to be found. So by us being able to assess that better will probably help us overall to come to a, a better system of learning and better system of setting up our school systems that could really harness the skills and abilities of everybody more effectively in trying to, instead of squeezing them into certain paths, uh, path, um, yeah, paths that may not be ideal for, for a lot of people. So having the ability to sort that out better is probably helpful. And through that path, we can most likely then develop a way to assess that for dogs and other animals. How do we truly determine the intelligence of a dog? Um, I have no idea where that's going to um, ultimately come to fruition and how we're going to sort it out and how we're going to ultimately determine that. If we ever will, who knows? We can, we're assuming at some point we will be able to. But at this point, we're far away from it. Just know that the intelligence of a dog is far beyond that of a two-year-old child. If I had to personally label it, I would like put it somewhere in the realm of a teenager. And when it comes with social skills, far beyond that of a teenager in the adulthood, maybe even old age of some people. And some people never develop the social skills that a dog has. And the social understanding in terms of like how other people are feeling and that, that part. So, which is not, not important. It is important too. So dogs are very intelligent. It's just measuring it and putting it in context comparative to humans is impossible at this stage. And I'm looking forward to the day when we can make some progress and then hopefully figure that out. Maybe I'll see today, maybe I won't. Who knows how long it will take. But it will be interesting to follow that journey along. So I would definitely suggest that you check out Chaser, maybe read the book, Unlocking the Secret of the Canine Mind. And... I will put links in the show notes for that and the, 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 the videos on YouTube that I found and the TED Talk. There's, I think there's a TED Talk on Chaser as well. I'll put that as well. And um, yeah, I hope you found that interesting. It was informative. You got something out of it. And I'll see you again next time. Bye.